Wait, what were you saying? Are, are we ready? Are we ready? We're ready. <laughs> the Earth is a very small stage in a vast cosmic arena. The baby, please. I have a dream. Shouldn't we consider in every nation a fundamental restructuring of economic, political, social, and religious institutions? We have come here to let you know that change is coming, whether you like it or not. <laughs> Undo reality and remake it in a way that allows for a more hopeful present. Hi everyone, welcome to Cosmic. Human beings on planet Earth trying to figure out what the hell is going on here. What's the limit? Like how far can you go as a regime, starving your, your own population, uh, blocking humanitarian aid, letting violence and, and extreme inflation haunt the streets of your cities. All this for the sake of... For the sake of what, by the way? Champagne in Russia for, for a lifetime? Not if you don't pay your bills. We're here um, today to talk about Venezuela. Uh, you you understood it's a very intense and heavy topic but as usual we're going to take a positive approach to it sitting beside me is uh, someone who is a doer um, Andreina I'm really happy that we can make this interview happen welcome to the show thank you hi my name is Andreina thank you Camille for this invitation so you are um, well You're a woman with superpowers. You're, you're, you're starting to understand your superpowers. That is my take on your story. Yes. But we'll, we'll talk more about this. Um, we agreed on three objectives for, for this, um, this episode because, as we said, it's a very heavy topic. We don't want to get into the regular media approach of sens sensationalism and all that. So what we're going to do is together is, is exploring some of the, the structural problems and, and root causes blocking humanitarian aid today. Yes. Because that's your area. And uh, we're going to discuss what needs to happen maybe at the cultural level and, and some of the challenges that you're mm -hmm. facing uh, because you work with art and culture as a way to fundraise um, for, yeah, uh, for uh, supplies to Venezuela. And also, I think it's important that we celebrate the, the resilience of the Venezuelan people, whether they're inside the country or outside, and all the friends of Latin America. It's quite amazing what's uh, going on, and um, it's important to, yeah, to celebrate yes, this as well. Tolle tum di maina, tolle tum 
Reina. Tole, tole. Tole, tole. Tole, 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 tole. Tole, 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 tole. Mami, 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 as you can see, I've been working out a few classics yes. for you. Thank you for that nice introduction. Where is the this music coming from? Uh, from El Callao, which is the southern part of the Bolivar state, okay. if I'm not mistaken. Okay. It's very close to the Amazonas, so you can hear the mix between Venezuelan music and Brazilian music. Hmm. And it's very nice. El Callao was the place where Spaniards, Spanish people used to search for gold. Hmm. And I'm sure that they found it. Yeah, I think so too. All right. Um, although we want to take, um, you know, sort of positive, uh, forward-looking um, approach to this episode, we also need to connect to the reality of what's going on right now. And maybe some of our listeners are have been doing like me until today, sort of knowing what's going on, but not digging into it because you know how painful it is. And, you know, we're involved on, on so many fronts. But um, I think it's important to, to connect to that energy of, of mm -hmm, the of reality. Mm -hmm. And then from there, uh, hopefully we'll, we'll go a bit more towards uh, pos positivity. Yes. But um, basically, so I worked a quick uh, summary just with a few uh, a few facts of, of what's going on. But basically, Venezuela, it used to be called the, the Saudi Arabia of Latin America. It has huge amount of resources. And uh, since a few years, I mean, for different political uh, reasons, um, there is, well, this extreme inflation going on. The... Average family now needs 98 times the minimum wage for basic food safety. 90% uh, of families don't have enough resources to buy food. No medicine left in the country. Pharmacies are, are closed and empty. Uh, there are blackouts where you know electricity is fre frequently cut. Uh, young men enroll in gangs who rob and kidnap for food. Um, uh, more than 70 murders per day. Prisons are full of people who had normal job, uh, normal jobs not so long ago, and uh, the, the system is collapsing. And at the same time, the the Maduro regime is is blocking humanitarian aid from from coming in. So there's this at the political level also this this battle between well socialist billionaires and the governments to figure out what's what's next at the government level while uh, an interim uh, president Juan Guaido you Guaido. say Guaido is uh, is gaining international support to to take over mm. but nothing is done and at this point everything is is possible mm -hmm. um is that is that a good summary? It's excellent. It's okay. a very good summary. So um, yeah, we're not going to debate what's already all over the media channel, uh, all over other media channels. We'll mm -hmm. we'll put some links in the episode notes for people who are interested in, in digging in digging in. Um, we're going to focus first on this uh, supply chain challenge for humanitarian aid. Yes, great. Uh, can you tell us a little bit what's going on? Because from Europe, you are organizing shipments of medical supplies 
with your with your organization mm-hmm. that is called Salud para, Venez- para Venezuela. Right. So health for Venezuela. What's what's the story? So the story is that the humanitarian crisis, which we could call a humanitarian emergency, um, started in 2014. Mm-hmm. But um, the government didn't want to recognize it. So officially there is non, uh, a non-existent crisis, such a crisis. So what we created was an alternative system two years ago um, to try to get this little help because we cannot call this humanitarian aid, but we try to we intend to ship some medical and nutritional supplies to Venezuela. Right. Um, and then we found the channels to make it get things into the country and uh, um, make things arrive to the right place. People okay. that really need uh, in the directory to the hospitals. Um, so what happened is that uh, since the official govern- government didn't recognize the fact that it was a humanitarian, uh, humanitarian emergency, we tried to do it uh, the other way around. So we couldn't declare that it was uh, humanitarian aid as such. And it, it didn't have the volume to declare it as such. But now that we have, as you just mentioned before, a new government, a new president. So this um, self-declared president, he's really trying to get uh, as much as humanitarian aid as possible into the country. Right. But uh, this is, let's say, a, 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 this is a timely topic because it was... Um, and a strategy for this new president to give really visibility of what what was going on in Venezuela and also for the international community and the media to react on that and give a, have an open door to see you can also help, you can also react and move some channels that were there intending to help Venezuela but didn't exactly know how. Right. The thing is that uh, the humanitarian aid became a struggle of power between these two presidents mm. and it is still the reason why um, the not the entire help that was intended to get into the country could actually get into it because uh, the official president is putting all his efforts in blocking this uh, aid right. and uh, on the contrary the new president is trying to expand as much as possible and try to to gain forces from the international community in order to make it happen. Because at this point you're pretty much uh, smuggling supplies yes. into the country, so we're, yes. g- we're going to talk about what, what that looks like. Yes. Lucero de la mañana Préstame tu claridad Para seguirle los pasos A una ingrata que se va Mañana por la mañana Cubre tu patio de flores Que te viene a visitar La Virgen de los Dolores Clavelito, clavelito Clavelito, clavelito 
Estrella de la mañana Claro lucero del día Como no me despertaste Cuando si el alma mía Mariposa 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 Allá arriba en aquel cerro Tengo un pozo de agua se lava la virgen los piecitos y la cara nube de agua nube de agua nube de agua estrella de la Lucero del día, como no me despertaste cuando se iba el alma mía, mariposa, mariposa, mariposa. In case you didn't feel it yet, no, I think it's so beautiful. <laughs> I think we feel the the beauty of your uh, culture, and that's that's also a classic from I think a few years ago. Uh, we share the playlists from all our episodes on Spotify. We we have like a, well, in the episode notes you'll find a link um, linking you to the to the playlist of the songs we play. Um, so you are smuggling medicine supplies essentially into the country how how does that look like in, in, in practice so in practice uh, this look like we collect the medicines and the medical supplies here mostly anonymous um, so, so here like in, in France in Spain in Europe in general in Europe but in I general. would say most on, uh, of them in Spain in Barcelona Madrid Valencia Malaga and, and Lille and uh, I would say Dunkirk Yep. North so, of France, yeah. Yeah, no, the north of France, so far. And uh, then we, when we we did an arrangement with a courier um, supply uh, service, and uh, we arranged to send those medicines um, to ship them by boat. And so we have to, we need to have a certain amount of medicines, 50 kilo that, kilos at least, in order to ship in them to one destination. Okay. So we try to get as much, as much as possible and then to send them to different destinations so that many places could uh, also profit from these shippings. Mm. And we had some, for example, at the beginning we couldn't, we weren't allowed to send them directly to the uh, doctors or department directors because they were in danger. And it What do you was, mean, like if they, they are monitored, like if they receive... Yes, so if the government monitors and detects that uh, a medical employee is receiving a big amount of medicines, he would really um, stop them, uh, stop 
this to happen and even bring him to jail. So we didn't want to put anybody in danger. And this is why uh, there was a moment where we uh, download one's all old census from, from Venezuela and we were looking for dead people because that was the perfect solution. We were shipping these medicines to people that had already passed away but they still have uh, the same address so their family members could receive the, those medicines without being impacted directly. So we did that, for example, with my grandfather because my grandfather was a dentist and he died 12 years ago and we were shipping medicines to, to the address of my grandfather under his name so that my mom could have access to those medicines and then give them to Caritas and other institutions to bring them down to Caritas the is a is a an NGO or an institution or yes so Carit Caritas is a worldwide institution that gives all help to poor people and uh, they are very well established in Venezuela okay. it's a church uh, institution and yeah. we also collaborate with others like Meals for Hope there's yeah. a non-governmental not religious institution And little by little, we'd made some collaboration with others NGOs because they have a good network in Venezuela, and we needed this. We needed that for this to happen. Yeah. So it's basically organizing people, people getting organized on both ends. Of course. What does it look like for other uh, humanitarian uh, supplies? So there's all the all the supplies coming from the US which I think arrived in, in Colombia or and then it's sort of blocked and that's much bigger amounts much more visible so it's more for sort of geopolitical yeah topic, so I right? have I have to clarify something since the 23rd of February um, the um, new president organized a big concert in Cucuta to give some visibility to the problem of the humanitarian crisis in Venezuela And since that moment, we have been impacted directly because the official government is even more repressive. So they are controlling even more what's getting into the country. So every every NGO is um, is challenged uh, right. to get things in. We have been make uh, we have been in contact with big NGOs like Médecins Sans Frontières. Mm. And uh, and they also struggles to get things into the country because even uh, some of their projects they are approved, they handle a big volume of material, depending on the projects that they have. But if they have a project, let's say regarding to uh, malaria or um, diphtheria or this um, concrete uh, sickness. They need specific equipment, also um, sexual-related sicknesses. So even they have big problems to get things in. Right. But um, since we are very little and we are not known, yeah. it's easy for us to make this happen because we send uh, through different... We, send, we have many things. Uh, we try to not to send big... Uh, Boxes, boxes yeah. not everything in one uh, address. You repack, maybe. We um, repacked. We um, try to like, to have some strategies in order to mm -hmm. get things in. And also, uh, I think you're in. 
contact, in permanent contact with individual needs over there? Uh, so, or you try? Or yes, what does it we look would like? love to address also individual needs because we receive daily 10 to between 10 and 15 emails from people asking us, my husband, my wife is sick, my mother just need this, I'm getting blind, I have cancer, I have um, many chronic sickness. And um, we try to do to ship uh, directly to this, those persons in need, but it's just so hard to get uh, this done because sometimes we don't even receive the medicines, the treatments for that. For right. example, cancer is something that it's he, it's very hard to get yeah. those treatments. It's only people that are passing away that are giving us the treatment. For example, my wife just died. I would like to give it to you, and then you right, see what. Right. Only in those cases we're shipping directly to people that we know that really need them. But for the rest, we really try to send them to, to medical um, personnel, so employees, so that they have the access to the hospitals and can, they can bring it little by little to the hospitals. Passar este inferno triste, 
caramba, caramba, mi amor, caramba, caramba, mi amor, caramba, caramba, mi amor, caramba. So, nice. Yeah. Nice again. <laughs> I, I, I promise. <laughs> I, prom I promise the next one is a little bit more like upbeat because you have a lot of that. <laughs> Otherwise, you know, we're gonna I'm lose all. With that too. We're gonna I'm lose happy. all the all the listeners on the way. <laughs> They're used to it by now. Sorry, guys. More um, festive music is coming. Um, talking about music and about this concert, you mentioned to raise awareness um, and art and culture in general. The way you are raising interest, money, uh, and medicine supplies for your operation is via arts and culture. Can you explain this and why you chose that path? Yes, that's my favorite part. <laughs> <laughs> I think we consciously decided to uh, offer something, to give something back to that people that were willing to help and that really um, had the intention to be part of this movement. And we consciously decided to do it through culture for many reasons. First of all, culture has no barriers and no languages. For, for us, it was a, a way to show Venezuela as it is now mm -hmm. uh, without um, having to tell the story from the beginning to the end. It's not necessary. Also, without having to tell the numbers because we are right. so attached to numbers, how many the dead, dead people, and, yeah. how many dead children, but only to see a little picture in time of the situation, what's going on. Okay. So the first intention was to give something back because we realized that there were many uh, NGOs asking for things, asking for money, asking for medical supplies, asking for food, but they didn't give something back. And it's necessary, at least in, those, uh, in these times where the regime is doing a lot of exercise in their minds in order to people to shut down, not to speak so loud, not to say some things, not to put things on the table. Right. We wanted to do just the contrary, just to bring some films and documentaries that put the topic on the table. So you're, you're organizing screenings, essentially? Yes. Yeah. So we organize film screenings and premieres, and we also organize uh, theaters, and um, we did one concert too. So cultural events. Cultural sure. events in general, even though the film screenings are like our strength, our um, major uh, program. Yeah. And it's great because through films you can really show um, the view uh, from the point of view of the woman, of the doctors, of the children. You know, it's like right. seeing this country collapsing, yeah. but from the... Prisma from the eyes of, uh, uh, of the director and, uh, and of the specific yes, uh, protagonist. And, yes, and also I have the feeling that through arts you can also connect with the landscapes of Venezuela with the music, so it's not so hard to digest. Right. Okay. This is a very uh, timely discussion for well for us at Cosmic because um, uh, right now we are doing a lot of work in the in the background. Because we believe a lot in what you just described, um, what art and culture can do for for in the context of of funding strategies for philanthropy, 
um, whether it's fundraising or more like long-term structural changes, uh, generally, I feel that it's always something that is secondary. Mm -hmm. Okay, it's like, oh, we got this theory of change and here's the strategy, operations, fundraising, da, da, da. And then you have the communication campaign. And part of the communication campaign, we're going to hire an artist to make a mosaic or painting about all the stuff that have already been decided. Mm -hmm. right? Or on the other hand, you have uh, funding art or funding mm -hmm. artists as, you know, to, to allow them to Uh, sustain their arts and produce for one year through a residency in a in a gallery or, or what have you, which is extremely important, mm -hmm. right? Uh, we're not suggesting that art should be only uh, an instrument for social change. It's very important that it also has this this um, uncontrolled, completely free um, practice mm -hmm. on the side. But there is. Uh, a way to bring art and culture together together, and, and, and give it a much more structural uh, space uh, or role in the theory of change. And that's, that's what you're doing because you're also making the points that this is something that is so needed in the context of that collapse. It's a sort of, uh, you know... You told me we should not use the word cultural revolution because <laughs> revolution has very um, uh, yeah, specific connotations in, the, in that re region of the world. But can you, can you speak about that need for uh, empowerment around culture and, and arts in Venezuela and in the region maybe and in Latin America? Well, I think we got to the point where we needed to open up some spaces to do, it's like a collective therapy because when you are in this uh, heavy you, when you see your country collapse in that way you need some spaces to let things out and also exchange so we realized two things we realized that it was so hard it is so hard now to do arts in Venezuela imagine to do a film with such a little means to do it it's so hard for a photograph it's so hard for a right. documentary Um, and then at some point we, I felt the need to show some respect to that people that were doing so much for a country without any means, with uh, salaries of $50 a month or something. How can you do a film with such a little means? Right. And, and they're getting it and they're doing it. And there was a time when I said to myself, they deserve all my respect and we have to show some respect for them. So we have to bring those films here. And then we realized that they were so excited to come and to show uh, to this new public that is willing to know what's really going on in Venezuela. So this is one space that we open and then the, the space of the public that also want to be part of something, want to ask questions. How did you do this film? How did you get into this hospital? How, how were you able to somehow... Um, just go around the government rules right, right. and just break the rules. Because, of course, you have a sort of debate or Q&A after the screenings yes. and people okay. get a chance to meet the director or the or the, yes. the artist behind the, the content. No, it's, it's really beautiful because also it's a way to connect emotionally with what's going on and it's bringing a very important message. I have many more questions. <laughs> Porque 
Interrupted the last verse, which is mi mujer, mi cama, blah blah blah. <laughs> okay. Do you know that this song we only hear that music uh, in December? Okay. Because this kind of music comes from Maracaibo, and this region is the uh, uh, where the oil oil fields are. Mm. So there was uh, like the richest the richest region in Venezuela, and they create their own music. Their own. They even want to be independent. Imagine. Oh, wow. from the rest of Venezuela they are so unique so the rest of Venezuela is hearing this kind of music only in December why December? for Christmas ah, I don't know okay <laughs> alright good to know so um, we've talked about why it was important outside Venezuela to get the the art and culture Venezuelan art and culture and reality shine through art um What about the cultural landscape within Venezuela since the last, you know, I don't know, 10 years or uh, what is it like Chavez is uh, 2006? Uh, yeah, I am. Yeah. Um, I mean, because there have been a, a decline of, of well, funding. Yes. There are very famous uh, symphony orchestra that cannot tour anymore. There's yes. like all this sort of decline of the cultural landscape. And, And it's sort of drying the society and, and having very uh, negative effects. Can we talk about this a little bit? Yes. So what I think is that the budgeting uh, cutting really affected everybody. It affected uh, act, uh, artists and actresses and film producers and designers and photographers and the artist communi community in general. And also the fact that suddenly everything was censored. So mm. the, you from one day to another you wouldn't 
be able to say some things, to write some things, to screen some things. So people that really wanted to express this, themselves and express uh, what was going on, they really have to be careful because they know that they could go in jail only for one picture or for one song or for a poem. So right. um, I think that, um, of course, the production of cultural goods um, reduced. And then you have this capital flight, this capital um, people getting out of the country, going to Miami, right. coming to Madrid. The cultural capital of the country is is moving away. Is moving away because they don't have they they are they don't have the means to stay there and and, and the also freedom the, to express themselves. Yes. So we see these two poles. You see a lot of actresses doing theater, theater and also comedy, stand-up comedy in Madrid. And also in Miami, because um, th there is a huge Venezuelan community there, mm -hmm. and uh, they have to reinvent them, re renew themselves, uh, recreate themselves, redefine themselves in those two contexts. And I think it worked so far. Right. Um, so we're at a point where, I mean, this is recorded on uh, today, we are on March 22. I'll try to publish this directly like uh, as soon as possible because the situation can change so rapidly. Yeah. We don't know if uh, Maduro is going to stay one more day or six more months. So, so just for this to be relevant, but uh, let's. there are many different scenarios on the table from now on. But if we take the scenario of trying to rebuild the country mm -hmm. and, and redevelop develop this this fabric, this cultural fabric, this social fabric, and uh, because the, the the culture and the society has been damaged so deeply, and also there's this a lot of people are, are now you know disconnected from all this because it's so much about the basic needs Surviving. and survival. Mm -hmm. um, From, from your point of view, what is the what what would be a, a priority or ways that you can rebuild that um, that social fabric and that that art and cultural scene? Well, first of all, I think that we need to shake those people that are paralyzed because they are so afraid of, of what's going on. I have the feeling that people inside Venezuela they are, they reach a a point of letarge because they they don't know they they don't have the means they don't have the right nutrition they don't have the basic needs right. fulfilled in yeah. order to you know react and be proactive and yeah because that's the very first thing you cannot ask of anyone Yes. anything if there's not the basic income basic you know shelter food but still i'm amazed because i i see that people are really willing to get out every day and do something better you know and rebuild their country at least in the discourse you can really hear it you can feel it you can see that they are willing to but um i think that we are at the point where at least here outside venezuela we try to get people out of this state of fear and that they cannot do nothing. There are a lot of things to do. Actually, there's so many things to do. And we are trying to show that it is possible to organize and cre create things together with other NGOs, at least, and they, they, they have uh, their volunteers. And 
I have the feeling that um, it's, it is indeed possible to uh, accumulate forces in order to create something better. Right. And do you, do you feel there is potential in, in building a very strong uh, cultural scene outside of the country first? Um, because it seems to be a little bit the, the direction that you are taking or one interest or you're one part of that. Uh, system. Of course, yes. What we would do is just to do some synergies with um, other cultural institutions that support us because they believe in our cause and they believe that we are creating something special and that um, those films really are something because, as you just said at the beginning of the show, uh, what we get from the media, it's like so heavy. It's just more, more of, of that what we know. Yeah. But I think uh, in Venezuela, uh, it's paradox, but uh, they are creating amazing things in terms of music, in terms of films. And this really needs to be um, get, getting out of the country in order to, to really appreciate it. And then, and this is what we want to do. This would be like a theory of change that if we are able to create this structure here, I'm sure then to, in order to rebuild the country, that we can give this back and bring it to Venezuela to give people the, not only hope but also the means to produce and create uh, new cultural goods. Yeah. Also because I, I heard, I read something last week that really resonated with me and, and it's a good way to put it is that, you know, policy, you, you don't change society with... with Well, you change law and, and uh, rules with policy and investments and all that, but to change attitudes. Behaviors. You, yeah, behaviors. You need art and culture. One thing you were telling me when we met the first time a couple of weeks ago was that there's also, in the culture, the, the, the people have been so used to receiving from the government or to, you know, um, that it's... it's um, It's it's a roadblock as well. Mm -hmm. Can you can you speak about that that feature, the behavioral feature, and because it's it's a cultural element to to take into account and to to fight back in a way. Of course, yes. So I think that we have been receiving um, from this um, huge nature resources that we have and um, derivated to from of those resources, the huge amount of money that this was giving to the government and the power that we just directly received from the government since 1930 I would say where the oil fields really get exploded and and we could we'd started to leave from there from from oil and um, uh, I think this culture of giving and receiving made us uh, kind of passive I would say in comparison to other societies that don't have this huge amount of resources. And so they have, uh, of course, other economic models, but in Venezuela you have the economic power and the political power, which is merged together. Yeah. And this is very dangerous because then it was the government that directly did the social engineering, right? Mm. So they were creating all these plans and studentships and, you know, kind of how are we going to bring that, break down this big, huge amount of money to the people? Mm. This has 
going on for the last hundred years, but in the last year was really intense. So um, the government would create, for example, missions where people could apply and only for the fact of applying they were receiving some subsidies, some money, some scholarships. So this created a system of uh, a huge amount of of people, millions of people waiting Mm. to receive something. And where could they receive this from? Only from the government. So this created a society, a very paternalistic society, always waiting for the government to give them something. we can dance. Just imagining our listeners um, at the fitness, <laughs> at the fitness center, or having a jog in the in the park with that music, having that tropical music. Yeah, let me know how how it feels. Like hello at becosmic.org. Um, yeah, I love to hear from from you guys. Thank you for all the emails that you're sending, um, and feedback and ideas. And again, let me know who you would like to hear 
on the show, we have different sort of themes going on. We're starting to talk about food. We're starting to talk about, you know, uh, chemicals and yeah, a lot of fun topics. So yeah, um, you can watch the, the video version of this interview on YouTube and uh, yeah, every click counts. So please share with your friends and colleagues. I wanted to talk a little bit about how you approach this at the personal level yourself because it's a lot of well you jumped on that train and you're taking a lot of responsibility and you're confronted to a lot of situations where you wish you could help more or you were telling me last time about this time where you know you got a message too late about a need for medical supplies and the woman had died already so a lot of like really heavy um yeah reality yeah experiences how do you deal with this well i think it's or do, do you deal with this <laughs> i'm trying <laughs> i'm trying so i think this is a journey that you have to be ready to jump in you have to be mature enough to understand that dimension Right. Also, when you see the impact that each of us has in the life of others, then you understand that no matter how little your effort is, it's going to have a huge impact in the life of uh, people in Venezuela. So I'm aware of that. And I, I am also aware of our limits. So as you just said before, we also receive um, many messages from people that are hopeless and people that ask for medicines and just an antibiotica arrives one week too late and this person uh, die. It was the case of my grandmother, for example. Um, she died of diabetes, but um, I remember that I sent her the treatment and the, tre the, the medicines arrived one, two weeks late, mm -hmm. so it didn't arrive on time. So I understand that we have some time and that we have to respect our limits We cannot. We don't intend to cover it or to. Yeah, you cannot subsume. carry the weight of uh, the whole. Yes, but you work. have to be willing to understand that no matter how little your um, contribution is, it is still a contribution that is helping ma many people there. So once you go from there, you are more humble, yeah. and you understand also the functioning of of this flowing. Okay. At a practical level, do you, um, in episode, uh, when is it, 17 or 18, uh, the episode with Priscilla Villa, who's probably listening to this episode, uh, she was saying she's doing a lot of Zumba. She works really? with frontline communities <laughs> uh, on petrochemical issues. Do you have like a, a tactic? Yes, know? I am watching a lot of films. <laughs> watching a lot of films, cool. I am watching a lot of films because I love them, but yeah. also because I want to be inspired by people that um, are doing great things. Yeah. Not only about Venezuela, I'm, I'm watching films to create also a film festival. And this uh, keeps also, it's a good balance to get my mind out of my everyday life and this drama. Yeah. Because as she is dancing Sumba, we need uh, things to nourish also our soul. Yeah. And each of us have to find a way to do it the best way. Maybe drinking beers, yeah. eating, I yeah. don't know. My way is the film way. Great. And that's one um, purpose of, of this episode as well. As I'm sure right now you're inspiring a lot of people. And, and uh, you know, there is also this necessity of... of connecting within the change maker community even 
like beyond the, the borders of the, the topic we work with or our age groups or culture or whatever. I think uh, there are a lot of learning lessons that we share and um, this ability to resource yourself and to hear other stories of from course. people that are struggling in different ways. Yes. But how, how do you observe this around you? Because you're mobilizing people, you have a team. Um, what does it look like? People jumping into this or you jumping into this first? What's So is this related to something? Well, you have this family connection mm -hmm. with the reality on the ground. So yes. that's probably a, a strong motivator. Yes. Um, but taking the lead like this and then empowering other people to jump in. What are some of the stories that you observe? What I have observed is that um, people, even if they want to help, I have realized that some people want ready-made things. Hmm. And we have to understand that this is a working project and we are always learning on and we are improvising every day on how to do it. The first day that we started, it was my husband and I in the bed and he said, let's do an NGO. And that's how it started. So it was really... Was it morning or evening? Evening. <laughs> <laughs> See, all bad decisions are made on the evening. <laughs> No, it was the best decision of my life okay. and of his life too, I think. But we have to improvise and we have to always confront the fact that we don't know, but we are going to know yeah. and we're going to find a way to do it. Yeah. So when people jumped into the NGO and said, I want to help, they expect that the meeting is going to happen smoothly, yeah. smoothly, everything, everybody knows what to do, everybody has a mission, right. everybody has a task to do, and it's not like that. Yeah. It's really chaotic and you have to put some order on it, Yeah. but admit that uh, it's a work in progress. What did you learn managing people like this? Um, I learned that they are very capable of doing things if you give concrete tasks and also tasks that they believe for, which means uh, I believe that if I, I put my medical knowledge into this uh, cause, uh, it's going to have a consequence. So I, I, from what I learned from managing people is that you have to show the path and you have to show the value of their actions. Mm. So uh, one action is important and they know it, but they need to see the final result. So, for example, I have many people here helping us and doing many things, but we wouldn't receive a picture of 10 or 15 children eating in Venezuela. It's like we wow. understand yeah. that we did something and that people are profiting and taking benefits from this action. So this is the best way to show them. There's a bit of countryside mm -hmm. landscape. Yeah, you recognize yeah. a Venezuelan cow here? Yeah. <laughs> I Yeah. 
primo Quiere que quiera comprobarlo Que vaya pa'l cabanar Pregunte en la costa el pauto Como aprendí desde niño A dominar un potranco A ponerle rejo a un toro Coge un novillo puerta Yo a patronia una curiara Con la creciente de mayo A conocer el aguaje del pesca grande En el charco la estudia del caimán Velando al vivo en el paso Al chihuirela yo perro De un barrio al río del barranco Al grito madrugador De un caporal en el acto Me acuesto al caer del sol Y con el sol me levanto Con gritos de guacharaca Con que Dios te un araguato Al garabia de chenchena En los rebalses del caño Y dentro del monte oscuro El ronquillo de un tigre macho I want to make a deal with you. Yes. Are you interested? Yes. Okay. And all this, all the listeners can just make sure it happens. Okay. And be part of it. One day we're going to make a party in Venezuela. Yeah. <laughs> like, but a, a party. Okay. <laughs> we're going to make a party in a cultural, culturally rich, vibrant Venezuela. Okay. We're young enough. Yes. We have a few to years to, to, <laughs> to make that happen. <laughs> nice. And it's going to be are you intense. Gonna play, gonna be the, are I'm you going to be the DJ? Uh, I will DJ. I yeah, will DJ. I will at go. least at the beginning. Criado entre bosta y ganado Soma, cabresto y caballo Puntero en sabana abierta Cuando no tenía 20 años Cuando rodeos agilé Con la melodía del canto Cuántas travesías eché Con el casco en mi caballo Trocha de noche oscura Palabreando a los espantos Noche de luna viatera Con el cariño de un cuadro Yendo guaduras tristes De un canoero en el paso Cuasi que este corazón Se formó en el llano amplio Altivo como el pitío De un toro en el bajo un bajo Noble como el coleador Que acaricia su caballo Y rencores con la vida Por lo mucho que me ha dado Una mujer, una familia Allá en mi sabana un rancho Y esta garganta coplera Repleta de orgullo nato Va a gritar los cuatro vientos Cada vez que me embarbasco Llanero de Llanero de la sabana del pauto Voilà. I can see this party coming. <laughs> We shook hands. You can, like, I want to receive emails from listeners saying, like, I'm in, and then we'll do this kind of pre-sales. Yes, Everything we're driving will be the free. ticket. <laughs> yeah, no, we're not going to sell tickets, but still we'll do a pre-sale just okay. for the people who just... Signed up early That's on. That's so nice. Good idea. Okay, so um, I wanted to ask you also what you need because I want to use our uh, platform here to, well, you know, whatever we can move, um, mm -hmm. even if it's one person with medical knowledge, um, donations are 
extremely important because yes. I think you're at a point where you're trying to structure your organization and mm -hmm. get some oxygen to, you know, build more power and move away from the more sort of chaotic uh, early stage mm -hmm. that mm -hmm. is uh, yes. so difficult. Um, what's the pitch? So what we need um, are, as you just said before, um, medical supplies. This is always good because and there is no way to find them in the country. But um, most important is uh, we need money. We okay. need money. And we quickly understood that no matter how many medical supplies and medicines we had, if we don't have the money to send them, we're doing nothing. Okay, so can we um, specify in terms of med medical supplies, yes. what do you mean? Uh, is there a list or is there, you know, is it through uh, direct contacts with you guys? Do you have like specific needs? Can I send ibuprofen? Uh, yes. Or is there, you know, any preference, uh, yes. things that are difficult to find? Yes. So from what, from our experience, we realized that we, our target here in Spain was a young population. So we understood that young people don't have chronic um, sickness. So um, what people really need in Venezuela are um, treatments for chronic diseases like uh, diabetes, uh, cancer, uh, asthma. So um, medicines that are um, blood pressure, tension. So there are medicines that they have to take every day and that they don't find Uh, in a long term so um, these those treatments are more needed even more than ibuprofen and paracetamol because those are only for painkillers let's say and uh, we need uh, medicines and also medical supplies for hospitals like simple things you know some material to prepare surgeries and because when you go to the hospitals you even have to take your blank with you or you have to take your your um, um, materials yourself so it's very painful if you go to the hospital and you, you arrive and they have nothing right so this is what i mean with supplies because uh, uh, everything from uh, gas gaza yeah. just little things that are very helpful there um will so the way to get that to you So through Cosmic, through my email, hello at becosmic.org, I'll put the link in the episode notes, we'll get that communication uh, going. About the money, uh, you have a link where we can send money to help your uh, structure develop. Yes. If it's one euro, 10 euros, 1,000 euros, 10,000 euros, everything like, you know, we have... Of course. We, we need to ask for big... Yes. Okay. Um, and yes. um, and then I don't know if I have a a, a concert hall, <laughs> if I manage a concert hall or um, a movie theater, of and course. I want to invite you for a screening, of for a fundraiser in whatever Copenhagen or or, or Krakow or, or Geneva, mm -hmm. we can do that, right? Yes, we can do that. That would be very very helpful. That would be even more helpful than money sometimes just mm -hmm. the intention to broadcast the films to show right. screen the films there is a great idea okay so contacts everything well i mean i, I think everyone understands because we're we're all in the same boat yes. moving resources for for social and environmental causes but uh, really uh, don't hesitate to write an email 
what's uh, what's next for you? What's the next stage for the the organization? What's your next milestone? Yes, so we have uh, now we're gonna pay tribute to um, one woman. She's now 92 years old, and um, her name is Margot Benazraf. She was the first Latin American woman who won the uh, prize in Cannes in the mm -hmm. year 19 Festival de Cannes. Festival de Cannes. Uh, at, uh, in uh, 1959, she wow. shared the prize with uh, Hiroshima Mon Amour, mm. which is a film that everybody knows, but uh, her film Araya is not uh, so known internationally. But she was the main stone of cinema in Venezuela. She created La Filmoteca Nationale, inspired by La Filmoteca en France, mm -hmm. uh, in France. So uh, she's a big figure, and uh, bef 60 years later, we want to pay tribute and uh, rend homage. And uh, we want to. She couldn't come because she uh, from Venezuela because uh, she needed uh, some health treatment. It's complicated, but uh, there is a film, the a documentary that is based on her life and her work, uh, called uh, Madame Cinema. And we're going to bring the film director and we're going to do a tour oh, wow. in um, Madrid, Paris, Paris and Barcelona. And we're, we're going to broadcast that film in seven different shows. So, oh, wow. This is so inspiring. Yes, it is. And I, I, am, I am waiting. I can't wait for uh, Jonathan Reverón, which is the film director, to arrive in Europe because he comes directly from Caracas to broadcast the film and to talk about his experience as a journalist and film director too. And uh, this is a big uh, heritage that we have in Venezuela and we have to uh, share this to this young population because those films are very old. They are in black and white and they well, are... You have to recontextualize and, and show people and explain to people what it means and put them in touch with that piece of culture, yeah? Yes. So the, that film, Araya, is a film that uh, it, it showed the um, before the industrialization how the workflow of a little village was and they produce uh, salt So it, it's just showing, repeating a, a, a journey for fa 450 years before industrialization came. So this uh, film is a historic record on how Venezuela was before industrialization, and I think it's very worth to see. All right, can I come? Yes, you're invited. <laughs> All right, great. Well, um, it's a beautiful project that you have, it's a beautiful team. Um, you're a beautiful person and I think uh, everyone is really inspired so Thank thanks so much for passing by. Thank you. And uh, let's do this, let's make this party happen, right? Okay. <laughs> mm.